Flying Bull Productions presents Laugh, Literature, and Film. This is the good stuff. Yeah. It's the Laugh Podcast. Over there is Mr. Two Frames. Howdy. He's one of the two co-hosts. I'm the other one. I'm the L-Train, and we have a special guest in the show, and for the show today, he's got a new nickname, Actor Man, <laughs> Scott Lasky. Okay. I feel that's how you identify yourself. I, You're an actor. I do that sometimes, yes. I'm not yeah. sure that's how I identify myself, but I'll go with it. All right. That's how we're going to identify works, you here on the Laugh Podcast. Works just fine. I like that a little bit better than the Star. That kind of just didn't roll off the tongue, like Actor Man. <laughs> Plus, it could be... Sounds like a superhero. Yeah, you could be a superhero. Yeah, I wish. We also want to thank Elijah Steele for providing us with theme music that is playing underneath us right now, or it just faded out. Uh, he's our musical coordinator. He's going to be giving us some more stuff throughout this this new season, season two of the Laugh Podcast. And uh, Mr. Two Frames, you put us up on the YouTube, right? Yes, we're now available on the YouTube. You can watch uh, both the We Laugh and the Weekly Review show up there. But you won't see any pictures of the L Train or No pictures of us, generally just of the uh, movies that we're reviewing. Uh, Maybe if there's a blooper at the end, a little extra, (laughs) you can see a picture of my dog. I did see Dalton (laughs) sneak his way in there. So, yeah. Uh, This is our second of two episodes. We've kind of going over our top 10 of the year 2015 last episode it was just uh, mr two frames and me and uh this episode we're going to be joined by the uh actor man you uh two frames and i talked about how we came up with our lists mine was basically movies that surprised me or moved me in some way i don't normally have an emotional connection to film but these films sort of had that element and it surprised me or they surprised me in other ways as well mr two frames what was your uh how'd you come up i was this? looking for an experience most of these films i saw on the big screen and just for whatever reason i love them i even love jurassic world i'm sticking by my number 10 yeah, my number best 84. comedy of the year i had a wonderful time i think you had a better time at the movie uh than you're letting on we both laughed a ton, you know, so I think it deserves some credit. It's the best popcorn movie of the year. So a lot of times these movies are falling into categories in my mind, and that's how I'm separating them out. All right, so Mr. Two Frames getting in another uh, another dig for uh, on, on me and then pushing out that ridiculous film again, but nevertheless. Uh, how did you right. come up with your list, Mr. Actor Man? Um, I went through the list of eligible films for the Academy and I noted the ones I had actually seen. And then I just started underlining the ones that I thought were the best that I'd seen. And then eventually I came up with a list of, I think 12 that I whittled down to 10. I don't, I don't know that I could be more specific than that. Cause some of the, the listing I think is a little bit arbitrary maybe on my end. Were there specific guess, spots you had trouble listing? Like, I think for us, it was easy to figure out what's at the bottom of the list and at the top. Right. But yeah. sometimes that In the order, middle got a little yeah. bit, yeah, it got a little bit murky. I know at one point I ended up switching two of mine. I had to change the numbering. Um, but I always like movies that I have an emotional connection to. Um, I also have some on here that I was entertained by. So um, there's a variety of things that I'm thinking about when I'm making this list. It's not just one criteria the top for me was tough the bottom was tough on the top 10 i couldn't choose you know daily it switches up but uh jurassic world that was number 52 of the year yeah see i think jurassic world was like 11 or 12 i think it almost made my list just below minions but again this is the movies i've seen so there are a lot of movies there are several movies i think might be on this list but i haven't seen them better than trumbo though just so you know wow okay trumbo was my number nine my number eight was Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon Films documentary that you refused to watch. Uh, then I have The Revenant at number six, and number five for me was The Gift. What was your... Wait. No, we're not doing... You didn't Wait, do five seven yet. and six. We haven't done six. five. Seven and six. six. Yeah, yeah, seven yeah. and six. Look, Sorry. I'm the guy that has the problem with math guy. <laughs> not you. Number ten for me was Carrie Fukunaga's Beast of No Nation. You can see that on Netflix. Number nine was Kevin Bacon in Cop Car. My eighth film was Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's latest movie. 
Number seven for me was me, Earl, and the dying girl. I really liked the guy who played me. And number six was the Western with Michael Fassbender this year, Slow West, my second Western of four that are going to be on my list. Uh, number 10, I had The Gift. Number nine, The Martian. Number eight, Ex Machina. Seven, Spy. And six, The Danish Girl. Strong. Those might make an appearance. Some of these might make an appearance with us, I think. And pretty much all those movies have been nominated for awards. Uh, I'm not sure about all of them. Wasn't Spy uh, Best Comedy at the Golden Globes? At the Globes? Golden Globes, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ed's Machina has gotten a little bit like oh, straight play some, and stuff. Yeah, I think, well, no, The Gift hasn't been nominated for anything that I'm aware of. Maybe not The Gift. Uh, I think Scores. Director's Guild uh, Best First Film. Oh, okay. It got... Um, but I mean, still, I mean, these are all quality films, and I think right, some of these right. have appeared on our each of our lists. Yeah, the only one there, I think I haven't seen is the Danish Girl. Okay, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that because Nicole C's uh, husband looks exactly like the guy that plays the Danish Girl. <laughs> anyway, what's your number five, Mister Two Frames? Because you wanted to jump away ahead of us and get up in there. Uh, my number five movie of the year is the top film I saw this year. In fact, it was the only film I saw this year. I'm speaking of The Hateful Eight, which was uh. an actual film projection. We went up to the DC area and saw the sixty, or I'm sorry, the seventy millimeter projection of this. We saw actual film. Everything else, I think, we watched this year was digital. Probably, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, so, yeah. I was very confused what you were talking about. Yeah, and oh, he's trying to be cute. Coy. Yes, I get very that. cute. I get uh, it. One of the things I love about this movie is the cinematography. I love how wide that frame is. I wish more movies were that wide, even though this is a single room story for the most part. Since you're able to see all corners of the room, the camera's able to just pull back from the action and let actors move around in the space and you're not having to cut you know, and create new camera angles all the time. I thought it was a beautiful film to watch. And you still get that Tarantino energy, his weird brand of humor and violence. Uh, I thought Jennifer Jason Lee was the best part of this film. I definitely think she should win uh, best actor, or best actress, supporting actor. Yeah, she should be best actress. I I don't know that it really should be supporting, but I'm sure we'll talk about that on another show. Um, not the best Tarantino film ever, but still pretty strong and. To me, Tarantino is one of the best directors, if not the best director currently working in Hollywood. So whatever he comes out with, I'm always going to sing its praises. So that's number five for me. Good pick. And Neo Morricone will probably win score. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't know about Jennifer Jason Lee. It's just one of my predictions. One of my many predictions that have been dead on so far. <laughs> Mr. Actor Man. You my number five, five was Star... Star Wars The Force Awakens. Ooh, it makes an appearance. I um, I have to say, part of the reasoning why I put this on the list, um, for me it was very nostalgic. It reminded me of seeing the first film when it was released in the theaters with my older brother. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. I also thought it was very entertaining. Um, well written, funny. I liked the cast and I liked that the main character, the hero, was actually a woman. So I think it kind Best of brings... I think it brings the brings this series into the 21st century. Brings around full circle. I love Ray and Finn and BB-8. Yes. Wow. wow. <laughs> Five. Well, Lasky, it was actually a I wrote dragging ha- Hollywood in the 22nd century is what I actually wrote. Yeah. Pleasure having you on the show. Sorry, you won't ever be able to come back again <laughs> after that pick. Wow. Five. We, I never would have wow. picked that. I never would have. <laughs> Bull. <Not> too low. <laughs> <laughs> too high. Way too Apparently high. Apparently you haven't been listening to many episodes of the show. No, that was the seventieth best film I saw. Seventieth? Yeah, of, of two thousand fifteen releases. I'm more in line with you. But it's it's somewhere in the middle for me. I just there were parts of it I didn't like. I didn't like the older actors. The ones from the original episode. Yeah, see for me that was the nostalgia and angle. 
Yeah, I, I get it. I just didn't. I thought that uh, her, uh, Han Solo was mm-hmm. the world's most beloved deadbeat dad. <laughs> <laughs> so that angered me a little bit. His performance and Mr. Two Frames had uh, quite the time going to see that movie with me. Oh, jeez. So you didn't like the movie? No, I've never seen a Star Wars movie all the way through. And except, there was a reason. Except for? Except for number seven. There we go. Number five. Mr. Why do you hate Star Wars? I don't understand. I, I just have such apathy for it. It's not that I hate it. Because you can't love anything until you first have... Or you can't hate anything before you first have loved it. So you loved it before? No. So I don't hate it. I just cared nothing for it. It could just go away and I'd be so happy. So way to go. Way to, so Ugh. welcome to the, the studio. Welcome to the derision. Wow. And the attitude. I am surprised. That well, here's you a movie that we're going to agree on. My number five. Reject the entire. Oh, I, out of hand. This has been going on all year. Yeah, even. I mean, I'm not going to argue for the prequels ever because George Lucas should be shot in the face for those movies. You but know what? The, the first three and this one, great films. The, think great about story. The, even though it's sort of an interquel, Rogue Nation can wipe away the prequels. Because it goes back to See, before Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation is the movie that's coming out this year. Not Rogue. Is it Rogue Nation? Yeah. Rogue One. Rogue One. Not Rogue Nation. What is that? Uh, that's the Mission Impossible. Oh, there's already one oh, yeah, coming yeah. out this year? Yeah. There's going to be a movie a year. Yeah. We'll have a lot to talk about. I'm sure it'll be. the yeah. Rogue, Rogue One is the uh, prequel to. It, it would be in, bet- in between episodes three and four. It's the Rebel Alliance goes in and steals the plans for the Death Star. Oh, okay. and then they somehow they get to Princess Leia. Yeah, it'll be coming out next de- or this December, and then they just push back episode eight from a summer release to December of 2017 because they're really banking on it doing well at Oscar time. No, I think it's they're realizing, wow, the holiday box office has so much less competition. We can just make a ton of money. Why yeah, go up against all those other summer blockbusters? Yeah, it's a it's a financial right. decision. Here's a movie we can all agree on. My number five pick. Ex Machina, Alex Garland's nope. sci-fi. <laughs> you don't? That's not on your top ten list. He's a curmudgeon. He's ridiculous. Forty-three. No, oh, that's so. That's that's yeah, just that's so stupid. sad. That's stupid. Sorry, I'm just gonna say it's stupid. Go ahead. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'm not surprised this isn't higher on my list because there's some elements that didn't reach me, like the dance sequence. Although it was surprising, it just didn't have the same impact on me that it had on other people. But I was completely mesmerized by the character of Ava. And I think that she should have gotten, Alicia Vikander should have gotten an actress nomination for this role. But I haven't seen The Danish Girl. She should have been going up against herself. Best Supporting Actor. What did you say? She did at the Golden Globes. She won for Ex Machina? She didn't win, but she was nominated for both films. She was was competing in Supporting Actress and in Best Actress. Best Actress for The Danish Girl, Best Supporting Actress for Ex Machina. I'd, I'd never heard of her. Before uh, Ex Machina, and she completely overwhelmed me. Well, you should see the Danish girl because she's brilliant. Right. She should win that. She was pretty award. good in The Man Called Uncle too. Yeah, yeah she was, was good. Okay. To be truly human means to be able to be manipulative and deceptive. And although I'm not personally scared of artificial intelligence and what's coming down the pike, I think that when AIs have autom- autonomous emotional motivations, like she displayed, humanity's sort of going to be in for it. Hello. Hi. I'm Caleb. Hello, Caleb. Do you have a name? Yes. Ava. I'm pleased to meet you, Ava. I'm pleased to meet you, too. I like the way Garland and the production team designed uh, and led by Mark Rigby or Mark Digby, sorry, augmented her sexuality when she was in robot form. With clothing and hair, Ava became less alluring. And although I appreciate that inversion, I, I do appreciate that inversion of expectation because it makes us as viewers complicit in the AI revolution. The truth is, as a society, we're becoming more and more detached from each other. And we've altered our own reality away from what's real and honest. And I think that those are the themes that this movie plays with. That's why it drew me in. That's why it got me. The production design, the set, all the elements combined together, the acting, to make a a, a surprising movie-going experience for me. Really loved it. It was number your number 
eight or seven? Uh, uh, something like that, yeah. Mr. Two Frames over there has it Number a bit eight. lower. Yeah, it just it didn't come together for me. I'm still a big fan of the director, Garland. Uh, he's written some of my favorite Danny Boyle films. I'm interested to see what he does next. For me, while a lot of those pieces that you mentioned are interesting, I never felt it came together as a cohesive whole. Uh, I have said, though, I want to go back and revisit the movie here in a year or so, give it time to cool off in my memory and go in with a fresh set of eyes. So uh, not a bad pick. All right. There we go. So a little bit of agreement. If you had asked me earlier in the year what was going to be on my top 10 before I'd seen this film, I was pretty certain this was making my top 10. And then you said it dropped out of 53. 43. Okay. <laughs> but who's counting? Uh, number four for me is the biopic Steve Jobs. Oh, all right. I am a huge uh, Michael Fassbender fan in this film. Um, also, this was written by Aaron Sorkin, and it was uh, directed by Danny Boyle, who we were just talking about. Uh, big fan of Danny Boyle, uh, huge fan of Sorkin. Love the West Wing, American President, Studios. Six, it, 60 on the Sunset Strip. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the first things we ever talked about when we started working together. Um just a big fan for me it works it works as a play i'm pretty sure this is going to be a play and get performed at least off broadway in the next couple years i was angry you were saying things about the apple II and the way you were treating the team was you get a free pass for life i gotta get back on stage we've got like two minutes of rehearsal time left do you understand how condescending that just was well, maybe you don't. I don't want to see you get dragged off. And I get a free pass for life f- from you. You give out the pass. You give them to me. You're going to have a stroke, little buddy. What did you do? What did you do? Why has Lisa not heard of me? Man, how many fourth graders have heard of you? You can't write code. You're not an engineer. You're not a designer. You can't put a hammer to a nail. I built the circuit board. The graphical interface was stolen from Xerox Park. Jeff Raskin was the leader of the Mac team before you threw him off his own project. Everything, someone else designed the box. So how come 10 times in a day, I read Steve Jobs as a genius? What do you do? I play the orchestra. And you're a good musician. You sit right there. You're the best in your role. Uh, The ending doesn't work. Great, but that's a problem of all Danny Boyle films. I've never cared for the way he ends films. But still, really, really good, very strong acting performance. I think this was Fazbender's best acting of the year, and he had many great roles this year. Many so, great roles? He many. was good in Slow West. Slow West? I He got good reviews for Macbeth. Ugh. Oh, did you see it? Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, it, I didn't see the, it, but he, but he did get good reviews. I, I haven't seen Steve Jobs either. So He's a, Actually, like they the, said like the, the only fans. reason to see Macbeth was for him. They said <sighs> the rest of the movie was not so great. Yeah. There was a nice Afghan bloodhound, I think, that <laughs> spent a lot of time next to his bed, and that was good. But in Steve Jobs... Isn't it set up as like a three one-act plays or something? Three one-act plays. Uh, well, it's it, a three-act play. A three-act play from it's different the times. hour before three different product launches, mm-hmm. and it's like the most chaotic hour ever. You'll know in the first ten minutes if this film is for you. Who is it that we It were really just, is written like a play. So, someone we were recently talking to is a big Steve Wozniak fan. It's like, has a Steve Wozniak poster or something. I can't remember. I, I don't know. I mean, the Waz, he, he's funny. I've heard some stories, but that's for... I know him from show. the uh, the D-list when Kathy Griffin still had her show on. The last season of the second of the last season, she was dating him. So he was on, oh. the, he was on that season Wow, quite a bit. He's an interesting man, to say the least. I like how she elevates herself to the D-list. <laughs> well, actually, she's no longer D-list. <laughs> Kathy but, Griffin. Uh, all right. Did you you saw Jobs? You liked it? Yes, actually, that's my number four. Noting the irony, um, I also loved this movie very much. And the person I went to see the movie with when it was over, he literally said, "Wait, it's over? I I want more." Like the movie passed so quickly, and it was so fascinating. We were ready for two more hours. It did not feel. It was one of those movies where it did not feel like a two hour, two and a half hour. I don't remember the running time was, but it didn't feel that way. It, it passed very quickly because it was so fascinating to both of us. I was. I, I, and I, I, like Ryan, love Aaron Sorkin. I think his writing is, is always interesting and brilliant. He 
writes great dialogue and creates interesting characters. And um, the acting, I love Michael Fassbender and, of course, also Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. So I really like this movie a lot. Right. I'm surprised at the critical backlash. You've redeemed yourself. You can come back on the show. You've made up for your Star Wars pick. I haven't and seen it. They can't see because this is only on audio, but I just rolled my eyes at that. No, they they could see it through the microphone. <laughs> see it on their iPods or iPhones. Well, people who know me probably can hear it in my voice. I uh, I haven't seen it because I'm not interested in being bored. But my number four <laughs> <laughs> is a completely opposite movie of that type of film. This is my third Western on, on my list. It's a movie that not very many people have seen, I think. Mr. Two Frames likes it. It's probably number uh, 84 on his list or something. But it's my uh, it's it it might be my favorite film to go back and watch again. Like I might go back and watch this. Of all the other movies on my list, this might be the one I go back to first. It's called Bone Tomahawk, starring Kurt Russell, Richard Jenkins, Matthew Fox, and Patrick Wilson. You heard of this, Mister Actorman? It does not ring any bells. I'm kind of surprised. You, normally, you're a Kurt Russell completist, so I'm surprised. No, that's not true. In the old west, a sheriff and his deputy a gunslinger and a cowboy embark on a mission to rescue three people from a savage group of troglodytes. This man's wife, uh, played by Patrick Wilson, his wife gets taken by, uh, by some troglodytes because is it, uh, who is Patrick Wilson doesn't play the wife. No. Did I say I misspoke? Yeah. But like, Cause I'm trying to think ahead of myself. The man's wife played by Patrick Wilson. <laughs> oh, the, I met the Thinking man. man, the man. It, <laughs> inappropriate or ambiguous reference well there is some interesting role reversal in that film because his wife is a doctor and then he's got a broken leg at the very beginning of the film he's able to do very little heroic stuff his wife is written incredibly strong so there is some kind of gender swapping going on well like other movies on my list we'll talk about here it tackles male and female relationships or interrelationships in a very surprising way in fact this is why Bone Tomahawk is my is the best romance movie of the year. I was constantly surprised by this movie for several reasons. So why are you turning bright red? That's just my normal demeanor instead okay. of laughing. Okay. Plus, I like how you paint a picture for the audience because they don't often get a chance just to see. Just curious. This. I almost don't know if you're being serious. I feel like you're almost spoofing the idea of best movie. No, this is Mr. Two Frames will. Uh, he'll defend me on this when we talked about I couldn't no, wait to I'm talk just, about this movie this is number 16 uh, you look like you're playing an elaborate hoax the way you're maybe I'm just getting high blood pressure <laughs> the director of this also wrote it and he's got like a dozen two dozen scripts that he sold around Craig Hollywood Zellman. and they're just waiting to produce them um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio's interested in doing one of his like New York crime novel or screenplays yeah like a neo and it's also a novel too um, the first scene has David Arquette sort of decapitating uh, a troglodyte of his own, or no, I'm not really sure, but there's a lot of good violence in the very first act. And then you kind of know where you are. The sound design lets you, pulls you right in. If you've ever heard a man getting his throat slit, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I think David Arquette could have been in this movie a little bit more. It would have made me happy. It's his best role I've seen him in in a while. Uh, so it had me on board from the first scene. And then after the first scene, if you're not on board, you probably never will be. But I was constantly surprised by it. It didn't scare me, but there are some elements in it that are pretty gruesome. I mean, I, I don't really get into slasher torture films, but it goes from a Western to something like that, like that, pretty quickly. The fantastical elements of the script are grounded by the use of practical effects and very down-to-earth performances by the four main characters, Jenkins, Fox, Wilson, and above all, Kurt Russell. So all four of those guys were excellent in this movie, and the movie is among my top movies. It's in the top five. It's number four for me. You should go Shocking. out and check it out there, Mr. Actor Man. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a movie I would like. <laughs> you didn't sell it to me, I'll tell you that. I, I, all I, I do I'm not a Western. huge fan of very violent movies. I, those, that tends to, I tend to kind of avoid movies that I know are going to be the, overly violent. The thing is, you describe it to people and you go, it's... um. A Western horror film. And people look at you and you can see they're trying to recall some other Western horror film. And they're thinking, well, those don't really exist. You watch this film and go, they should. Like, this is an untapped genre. Well, that's why I tell people it's the best I'm romance I'm also not movie. a big fan of Western, so. Well, that's why I tell right people. Right from the get-go. That's why I tell people enough. it's the best romance movie of the year. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you. I didn't hear anything in that that sounded even remotely romantic. He goes, it, well, he suffers a terrible injury. Mr. Two Frames alluded to the fact that his leg was broken. He still goes out to find his wife, Patrick Wilson's character, the cowboy. He, along with these other men who feel a certain responsibility to protect the women of their town, go out to to rescue the, the, the damsel in distress. And when they get there, the woman's like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. You let my husband come out here with a broken leg? Stupid. Yeah, yeah you yeah. guys are idiots. Fun. Yeah, good stuff. Good movie. Our taste in movies Hawk. don't always intersect. Not always. No. That's why we had you on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my number three uh, defies one of Hollywood's number one rules. Never put Mars in the title of your film. I'm talking about The Martian. Uh, always before in Hollywood, if you have Mars in your title, you lose. Like uh, John Carter of Mars got retitled John Carter, but it's still bombed in the box office. The Martian is... The, this is a specious argument. <laughs> the Martian is the best film about Mars, and it's done incredible box office. In fact, the Golden Globes considered it to be the best comedy of the year. Oh my God. And Ridley Scott was hilarious when he went up and accepted the word for this. Well, that's because the studio knew they had a better chance of winning in the best comedy category. That's all that was. There were a lot of good laughs. and a It's lo- the truth. I know, but it's a good movie. It's still a good it movie. is a good movie, but it's not a comedy. And as funny as the movie is, the book that it's based on by uh, Andy Weir is even funnier. Yeah, I've heard the book it, is really great. Yeah, This is probably the best adaptation of the year. It really should win Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards because of how wonderful it condenses... Um, a 400-page book into a two-hour movie and really doesn't lose anything vital. One of the themes I love about this movie is it's one man's struggle for survival while a world away, the whole world is pulling to also get this guy to pull through. And oftentimes they're not in communication. It really doesn't matter what one or the other is doing. They both have to put all of their energy into their own attempts at this rescue and just hope that they can pull it off by the end. I thought Matt Damon pulls off a very difficult acting role because he has so many monologues. He's just talking to himself, but he still has to come off as likable and funny. He has to make you want to care about him when he's just staring into a camera talking so much. That shows a lot of skill, and he he does it effortlessly. Uh, I don't think he's got enough credit for his performance in this film as a result. I'm also happy that Ridley Scott has finally done a good movie. It's been a while. Uh, Prometheus was pretty bad. I thought the guy needed to really hang it up after Prometheus. Well, we've already decided that Tony is the greater Scott. Yes, if you go back, I think that's episode two. <laughs> we have the greater Scott debate. Our least downloaded episode. I don't yeah. think I've heard that one. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> N- neither is anyone else, except for like maybe 12 people. Did you call it that? Yeah, for some reason, like people just don't do searches to see who's the greater Scott. Don't know why. <sighs> Because I've, I've listened to most of your podcasts at this point, but well, I think I usually look at the one, I listen to the ones where you discuss a film and not your, maybe since I didn't know yeah. what that meant, that's why I didn't listen it, to it. It's okay to pass that one up. But number three is The Martian for me. What's your number three? Inside Out, another Pixar movie that blew me away. It grabbed me emotionally as always. And I thought it was ingenious, the script and the idea telling something that, telling a story about how the brain works in such an entertaining way and a way that also feels um, very honest and truthful um, and relatable and uh, especially enjoyed, I think it was the very end or maybe it was during the credits when they showed other brains besides the, the protagonist. Um, I thought that was especially witty. I also liked the idea that it um, emphasized the importance of sadness and the role that that plays in our lives reminded me of one of my favorite plays and movies about C.S. Lewis, Shadowlands, which has a similar theme, but of course is a very, very different story. And I also uh, thought Phyllis Smith was, her performance as Sadness was one of the best parts of that movie. I don't think uh, people who do acting in um, animated movies get enough credit. I think her performance as Sadness uh, contributed a great deal to making that movie what it was. So I think her efforts in the film are certainly award-worthy. 
I, be- I believed that she was depressed. She sold <laughs> me on that. Probably. Uh, the- so that was my number three. It's just a great movie. The biggest criticism is that Pixar keeps putting out films that everyone wants them to do sequels to, and they want to do original films. But this is one, you go see it, it sets itself up for a possible sequel, though I don't think Pixar wants to do that. It doesn't the public need a sequel. At, the public at large wants it, just like they want, you know, another Incredibles, well, not just another that. Two- Disney Toy wants Story. it. Oh yeah, Disney wants. I mean, unfortunately, when you've got Disney in charge, they're going to be wringing the money out of it. That's what but, they want. But um, when you create great characters who have a lot of depth, you want to see those continuing adventures, right? So, Pixar is kind of shooting themselves in the foot by being such wonderful storytellers. I thought it was really and smart. Character creators. I thought it was really smart the way they dealt with gender issues in the in the movie, also because Riley is not fully male or female at the point of the movie uh, at her age. And it's like, she's trying to come to terms with that also, but it's so subtle by having the characters in her mind be different sexes and the characters in the older people's minds be completely one sex that if you're not really paying attention, it's not part of the message. It's just another part of the complexity of what makes us human beings. Right. And uh, there are a whole lot of little issues like that, that, that make it a, a really good film. I thought it would have been, a good film for best of the year for, you know, to win oh, an yeah, Oscar. Oh, yeah, I agree. I'm surprised it wasn't nominated Best Picture. I'm not surprised, but I'm, it is better than some of the movies that are on the list. I think in so. In my estimation. I think so. It'll probably win Best Animated Feature. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. You you said you like Peanuts movie a little bit better, but yeah, I, I don't I mean, think it has the same pedigree. I appreciate Pixar films. They don't always... I, I'm not the biggest fan of them. Peanuts, I just have a love of that comic strip and it boils down the essence of peanuts so well yeah but uh inside out strong strong film that's still a podcast i'm bummed that i couldn't actually listen to because the sound didn't want to work well thanks for pointing that out you're welcome on the show i mean i'm i'm complimenting you idiot so i wanted to listen to it so don't go back and download our inside out episode you can't listen to it we were tempted to fake it and redo it and just pretend like we were oh <laughs> we just came back from watching inside out i think here's we our fake it and redo it i have to do that because uh it's a good movie do you still have notes they're up here this is a this is a brain that's locked in on every single movie i've seen mm-hmm. my number three movie is oh wait I, you're referring I've to your notes and they're not helping you <laughs> yeah. i've never heard of this movie what no, this movie I looked forward to when I first heard about it after Alejandro Gonzalez Inarito stopped Birdman. I mean, within a couple of weeks of the, him winning the Academy Award last year for Birdman, I heard about his next project, which is a retelling of the story of Hugh Glass in the movie The Revenant. Hugh Glass was a legendary frontiersman in 1823. He sustained brutal injuries from a bear attack. And the hunting team, or the it wasn't even a hunting team, the team that he was with leaves him essentially for dead, and he has to make his way back to civilization through Indian territory and wild. You know, it's also um, brutal weather. I think this is one of your picks or, in number eight? or uh, I had this at number seven. Okay, number seven. So we, we talked about it a little bit in the last show, but I think this movie had the best action sequence that I can remember seeing in a movie, I mean, in a year where probably the best action film of all time came out. This movie had one of the top action sequences that I have ever seen. I talked last time about how attached I became to the character of Hugh Glass through Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. I thought way back then, a year ago, when I first heard about the film, that DiCaprio would win an Academy Award. I made that prediction. I think that that prediction is going to hold out because he is able to create an emotional attachment with character, even though uh, with his audience, even though he doesn't have much dialogue in this movie, he's able to emote and you kind of believe that he's become that character of Hugh Glass who has to use all of his skills and overcome some intense emotional difficulty as well to, to achieve his goals. This, this movie touches on a lot of, different themes other than the survival aspect there's the family aspect um there are i mean there's these people are in desperate situations i can't imagine 
being living a life of brutal desperation like some of these men had to lead. We all exist in an arbitrary world, you know. This this movie highlights that. The movie surprised me in its uh, aftermath because it's a movie that I keep going back to in my mind over and over and over. I think in any other year, it blows the Oscars out of the water. But because there are some other movies that are even higher on my list, I think even though this has 12 nominations, which is the highest for a while, number of nominations in Oscars, I think... Uh, Another movie. I think several actually... films in the last couple of years have had fourteen. I'm not oh. sure that that's true. Well, I might be wrong. You're the Oscar. You two are actually Oscar experts. Yeah, I believe I am. Doing I believe. a dozen is impressive. No, there's nothing wrong with a dozen the at all. The next closest saying... is ten, which is Fury Road, and that might come up on my list a little bit later on. Yeah. You haven't seen the Revenant Actor Man. I have not seen the Revenant. Anything I no. said uh, intrigue you? No. Well, it is a Western. Movie. It's Yeah, it just doesn't appeal to me. Sort of I'm sure it's a very well-made movie. I like the director. I'm sure the cinematography is amazing. Uh, I used to like Leonardo DiCaprio very much. Not such a fan anymore. Why is um, that? I just don't like a lot of his choices recently. Oh, I think... Uh, uh, you, you mean his acting roles? Yeah. Yeah, because he's, he's one of these strange actors. He's an amazing actor, he, absolutely. But I, mean, I still think he should have won for... What's eating Gilbert Grape? Uh, he was robbed that year. I don't know who won, but nineteen eighty eight. He should have won. Uh, um, but some of the movies of... he's made recently, and the the characters he's chosen to play, I have no interest. This one and Gatsby? was it last year or two years ago? He uh, was in that movie about Wall Street, The Wolf two of Wall ago. Street. Yeah, The Wolf of ugh. Uh, Alex and the Bell way he talked about like that. that movie and the bravery of all of them just made was a big turnoff to me. I don't think you're brave making that movie. Well, I got my but, point I was going to make about him is that he is an actor or a personality that's sort of avoided controversy, which is very pretty rare for a career as long as his. He must be getting near 50, you think? He's got to be above 40. Yeah, I mean, he was doing sitcoms in the 80s. Yeah, yeah he he's might at be 40 something. 40s. And he's never really had a big, you know, controversial, you know, falling out or anything. So anyway, that's my number three pick, The Revenant. Alejandro Gonzalez Inurito's uh, entry into Oscar glory. Yeah, I like might it. win back-to-back Best Pictures. Yeah, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh, lost the Best Supporting Actor role to Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive back in yeah, 1994. Yeah, that shouldn't have happened. Was I have nothing against Tommy Lee Jones, uh, but that was... Uh, huh? Was that for Catch Me If You Can? No, The no, Fugitive. The Fugitive. Tommy Lee Jones in The Fugitive. With right. Harrison what was Ford. his role? What was great. Oh, Jesus. I thought he was a lot older than that. Yeah. Huh. All right. right. Uh, Fair enough. My number two, probably the film I'm looking most forward to seeing again on the big screen. Uh, it'll probably be coming out in theaters around the nation as we get closer to the Academy Award time. It is the Best Picture nominee, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, George nice Miller's pick. return. It's my number two, too. Nice. I'll jump on there with you there, Mr. Two Frames. Yeah, uh, George Miller returns to doing Mad Max uh, more than 20 years after his last film. This is a glorious return to form. I think it was percolating in his brain for the last five years, and they were working on all these storyboards. Uh, not much in the way of dialogue, but they make up for it with action and bringing their own music on the car chase with them. With the diegetic music, yeah. Oh, I, I when I saw that vehicle with four drummers in the back just pounding away and you see the guitar guy with flames shooting out, <laughs> it's like, wow, these guys are ready for an adventure. They're going to bring the band with them. I was laughing with Lee in the movie theater. Uh, I think a lot of the action is very inventive. Probably too much has been said about how much they did practically. There's still a lot of CGI involved in this film, but the stunt work is excellent. I wish that there was an Academy Award for stunt work because I do think this film should win for that. Oh, hands down. Uh, the fact that we don't recognize stuntmen and, and women for their contributions to filmmaking is a big shame in my book. Uh, big, big fan. Tom the Hardy. SAG Awards give out stunt oh, people awards. I think it's well-deserved. Uh, no, I agree with you. Tom Hardy, very good in this role. I like his Mad Max. I know a lot of people are saying it wasn't that great, but... It's fine. It, it works. And one of the things I love is this movie fulfilled expectations. It gave you a Mad Max film, and it also gave you something new. To me, if you pushed me to say something about Star Wars, I will. I don't think the Star Wars film did very much new. 
I think, you know, all they did was here, let's reassign all these roles. It's the same story as the original trilogy. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure what that has to do with Mad Max. Just that this is one of those blockbusters, you know, that's part of an established series and it's able to do something. Yeah. It's able to reboot. It's able to surprise you and show that there's still life in the franchise there are tons of little side characters that I want to know more about. I'm hoping that Miller lasts long enough to give us two or three more Mad Max films. He's been coy on that. He's been going back and forth. Uh, Mad Max could have been played by Mel Gibson in this movie, though. It's not like he has to do a whole lot. They, so th- that that would have been an interesting touch. I, I don't mind having Tom Hardy in it. Well, they wanted to make this back in like 2005, and they were ready to go, but then some of the post-9-11 stuff caused their filming locations to become unsafe to shoot at, and the movie fell apart. But that would have starred. I want to make an argument. You said that, uh, what was the movie you said was the number one comedy of the year? Jurassic World. I'm going to make an argument that this is the funniest movie of the year. (laughs) I've seen it a few times since. And I'm going to make an argument for its dialogue. In fact, the dialogue is one of the small touches that make it much better than the other uh, Mad Max films, I think. Even though the Mad Max films are good, there's some stuff going on with the dialogue that's uh, that's very thoughtful and suggestive of great dystopian literature. It happens quickly. It happens during action sequences, so you don't really get a feel for it. But if you have to, like I do, watch things with subtitles at home because of my speaker setup, you get to see a whole lot of stuff that you wouldn't even know. Uh, for example... Um, Ever read? Yeah, I know you read *A Clockwork Orange* because we talked about it once. That there's new speak in that, and there's there's 1984 has that as well. The dialogue in this film is a reflection of thoughtful changes that would happen that lend to the verisimilitude of the outlandish, seemingly unrealistic world that it exists in. For example, Nux, the character, another side character that you talked about, is sort of interesting. At one point, he's upset. He says something like, "I should be McFeasting with the Immorta." So, like, McFeasting is just sort of a throwaway line, but obviously it's a callback to McDonald's, and this is sort of like the, the world that we live in, the consumer world that they, that they have destroyed. Uh, water is called Aquacola. Hey, Martin, if I get on the rig, there's a way inside. What is your name? It's Nux. I'll pike her in the spine. Keep her breathing for you. Nux, put a bulletproof skull. Stop the rig. Return my treasure to me. And I myself will carry you to the gates of Valhalla. And I awaited. You will ride eternal, shiny and chrome. Here we go. find myself using that term while I'm grading papers <laughs> or talking to students nowadays. So it's worked itself into my own personal lexicon. Upon multiple viewings, a character like Nux, which I initially thought was a weakness, actually turns out to be a strength. And Miller conveys as much meaning in three words, two stunts, and one explosion as Aaron Sorkin does in 15 pages of dialogue. It's a very thoughtful movie. Uh, Alex Ledbetter writing for What Culture called it Action as Art. So I can't wait to see it again on the big screen as well. So good pick for number two. I think Sorkin could write a Mad Max film with the way he loves to have his walk and talk. Why couldn't we have a chase and talk? <laughs> yeah, drive fast and talk. Oh, there's such good stunt work in it. Yeah. Yeah, the production design. This is why I think of the two films, The Revenant. It's a well made movie. It's visually stunning. I I mean, I can see why it got some of the awards it got. I just don't it's, it's not my win. personal cup of tea. It's gonna win the Oscars, I think. I predict it'll get at least six or seven Oscars. And if you overall, it'll win the Oscars, like sound editing, special effects, stuff like that. I, could I think that's enough. probably true. Maybe right. even director. What's your number two? My number two is Spotlight, which is um, in some ways, it's I was while I was thinking while you were talking about Mad Max, in some ways it's kind of a throwback to a more traditional kind of Hollywood Oscar pedigree movie. It's a, based on a true story and it's... Um, it's much more understated 
visually and um, in the acting that is done in the picture. I think the people who in, are in this movie are all amazing actors who deserve awards, but their acting is much more understated than some of the other performances in the other movies that are being nominated this year. We got law. This is it. No, this is law covering for one priest. There's another 90 out there. Yeah, and we'll, we'll print that story when we get it, but we, we got to go with this now. No, I'm not going to rush the story, Mike. We don't have a choice, Robbie. If we don't rush to print, somebody else is going to find these letters no. and butcher this story. Joe Quimby from the Herald was at the freaking courthouse. Mike. What? Why, why are we hesitating? Barron told us to get law. This is law. Barron told us to get the system. We need the full scope. That's the only thing that will put an end to this. Then let's take it up to Ben. Let him decide. We'll take it to Ben when I say it's time. It's time, Robbie. It's time. They knew, and they let it happen to kids. Okay? It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. We got to nail these scumbags. We got to show people that nobody could get away with this. Not a priest or a cardinal or a freaking pope. It really took my breath away, and I was... I cried probably through half of it. It's um, astonishing what was happening. It touches on a lot of themes that I are near and dear to my heart that I taught for years as a teacher, hypocrisy and uh, the corrupting uh, influence of power. And it's a story that needed to be told, and it's told beautifully. And even if you know the story, it's still surprising. I really loved it. And I think in another year, it would win, it would win Best Picture hands down. But I think there's some very innovative, innovative filmmaking that it can't really compete with because it's not necessarily innovative in any way. It's much more traditional as far as movie making goes. Still has an inside track on winning the Oscar, though. That's my prediction yeah. for Best Picture. Well, it depends on how the Academy... The Academy membership, you have to remember, is only 6,000 people, um, and they are much older and whiter and conservative on the whole. So it kind of depends on how they're thinking and feeling this year, whether they are interested in the innovation of Mad Max or uh, if they are blown away by what uh, Inuritu offers with The Revenant. Or this could win if they're wanting to kind of go back to a, the tradition. If you look at the longstanding tradition of movies that have won Best Picture over the many, many years, this movie sits right in that line of Best Pictures. Um, so it, it kind of depends on the mood, which I think it's too early to tell which way that's going yet. The Golden Globes are not an indicator at all because it's a completely different voting body. Um, the SAG Award is a better indication because the the actors make up the largest branch of the academy it's interesting that the subject matter is child molestation but the film is so much more than that it's looking at it's about journalism yeah it's about journalism but it's also about how that affects other people last year a highly rated movie that we had was calvary about a priest who is told he's going to be killed as revenge for a character who has suffered child molestation uh earlier in life uh, I like that we're getting all these movies and you're seeing the effects that it's the idea that child molestation is just not the adult and the child involved, but it really affects the whole community. A couple of years ago, there was a movie doubt that came out also wonderful and also showing how much that this subject matter can have a ripple effect. Oh, the hunts like that. Yeah. Um, so I think there have been a lot of great films over the last couple of years coming out. Um, a lot of them have not gotten a whole lot of awards consideration. I think Doubt had two actress nominations. Amy Adams and Meryl Streep both got nominated. Seymour Hoffman was up there. For he wasn't did. nominated for more than that. I was surprised. I think it got at least five or six nominations. I, I, I just don't. I don't feel like it got a whole lot of attention. A whole lot. Well, of, it's a. It was based on a play. It's very yeah. small and uh, small cast, smaller story. The movie, this movie... But I think uh, it did get probably okay, five or six enough. nominations, actually. The thing I didn't like about Spotlight was it it didn't have enough focus on some of the smaller characters. Like, Mark Ruffalo stole the show. Uh, he Michael always Keaton, does, in my opinion. He was really good in this. I'll admit that. I just didn't like the way they dealt with the Amy Adams character. I think there was like some loose, frayed edges with her character and her story that didn't they didn't finish for me. It just it wasn't complete enough. Michael Keaton was the same way. I mean, they came back around on Keaton. He was really good. Whenever Mike Ruffalo was on the screen, 
it was very compelling. It seemed to me like the story or the, the script didn't allow the other actors to reach that height that uh, that uh, Ruffalo got. Well, it was more so. of an ensemble movie. It really wasn't... It the, the, the focus wasn't on those characters, really. It was much more about everything that was going on in Boston. I mean, it was really a story about Boston. Yeah, and, I get that. And uh, all the people that were involved beyond the church, that it was... Um, kind of like what you were saying, but really, you know, everyone circled the wagons around the church and there were so many people that were defending the church knowing that what was going on or or at least knowing something was going on and not doing anything about it because they wanted to protect the church. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think this particular movie, I don't think it lends itself to the actors, honestly. Well, I other mean, than I'm not talking ensemble. about the actors. I'm talking about the characters. I'm talking about their stories. Right. So there's one character he doesn't seem to be that into doing this whole investigation until he's checking some facts and realizes just how close to home this whole conspiracy hits. Yeah, that was the and that the realization is fantastic. They didn't have enough of those scenes. They didn't have enough of those. I mean, aside from Mark Ruffalo and that one that one character, they had a couple of gotcha moments in the movie. But I mean, like I said, it's still a good movie. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a bad pick or anything. It just didn't. It it wasn't the top movie for me because of some of the smaller issues that I had with it. But strong pick though. Strong. Uh, Do you want? It also it actually was at one point it was my number one. I wavered back and forth. My one and two switched several times. I had trouble nailing those two down. Well, I have a feeling we have the same number one pick there, Mister Two Frames. Yeah. Do we? Well, we should, not we should the let, same as yeah, mine. I think I think we should let you do your. We number should let one, you do your number one. I haven't even seen your number one because I know what your number one is too. I can't I believe you haven't out. seen it. I, I haven't had the chance. It's only it, it, this movie. Oh, I had trouble seeing it. That's yeah, true. It, I tried to see it the other day, and it was only in one, on one screen. Yeah, at one yeah. time. Um, my pick for best picture is actually a surprise to me. Honestly, when I first heard about this movie, I had no interest in seeing it. It was only after I started reading some of the reviews of the film that I became interested in the movie because it was a subject matter that I knew I would find morally repellent and distressing and make me sick to my stomach. And yet it was marketed and critiqued as a comedy. So I was intrigued that this could be made into a comedy. And it is. Uh, One of the things... I'm sorry, The Big Short. (laughs) The Big Short, um, Adam McKay's... That's what the kids call me at school. Adaptation, uh, I think he co-wrote the script, I'm not positive, but I'm certainly giving him a lot of credit. His adaptation of a book, which I believe was a fairly dry nonfiction book about the housing crisis that led to the huge uh, financial meltdown and recession um, just a few years ago in our country and really worldwide in its impact. And they took this somewhat dry nonfiction book and turn it into a very engaging, entertaining, funny movie. Jared, it's chaos down here. Where are we? And Caesar wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Shane? Shane? Well, nobody's buying CD or mortgage bonds anymore, and everybody wants... Swaps. Swaps are now the most popular product on the street. That's good for us. Yes and no. I heard from somebody who heard from somebody. No, Alex. No. Sorry. Benny Klieger over at Morgan is taking out some heavy losses in the bond department. Like Might be time to get a life jacket and get out. I mean, seriously, I feel like I'm financially inside of you or something. Okay. I'm jacked. I'm jacked to the test! Good. Do you feel it? No. I actually have almost no understanding of economics, and I understood while I was watching this movie, exactly what happened. So I give him a lot of credit for helping educate me um, as well as entertain me. And the most most bizarre and interesting thing about this movie, and ironic, I guess, is that he gets you to root for these terrible, terrible people, and you're hoping that they succeed, and their success means that they're going to destroy the economy. <laughs> so you find yourself rooting for what you know you shouldn't be rooting for, but you can't help it. So it's really ingenious Complicit. in the way that it's written and structured. And again, a fantastic cast of actors doing great work with a great script and a great director who I give very much credit to creating 
what I thought was really the most entertaining movie and gripping and suspenseful, even though I know what's going to happen, I still was on the edge of my seat and I was laughing. And then in the last moments of the movie, he brings you back and reminds you of what you've been laughing at. And it really is a huge punch to the gut and makes you question why, why you've been laughing. And I I can't say enough good things about this movie. I think um, it's definitely underrated, especially because it is a comedy which is something I thought a lot about when I was putting together this list, which is why I included Spy on my list, even though we're way past number seven. But I think comedies don't get enough attention from the Academy. Well, and this guy previously directed Anchorman. It's very unexpected. So so for him to come out and do this, I mean, this really is amazing. I mean, it'd be like Jackass 4 comes out and we all go, who knew these guys could act? (laughs) Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's... well, I often. did not, like I said, I honestly did not want to see this movie. I had no interest, and I'm so glad I saw it because Ooh. it really took my breath away in, in many different ways. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago, it's not often that a movie with Steve Carell, uh, Ryan Gosling, uh, Brad Pitt, Batman, Christian Bale. <laughs> Christian Bale. Oh, Christian Bale's gotten lots of awards. No, it's not often that a movie like this that would come out and no one's ever really heard about it. Right. It hadn't had a whole lot of buzz. It would come out with all these main actors and be released right around Academy Award time, and eh, no one ever heard of it. Now you can't even see it hardly, unless you yeah, I think it's, sneak off and run away from school at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it's not getting enough attention or appreciation, and maybe the studio hasn't really been pushing it like they should. Ooh, maybe it wins Best Oscar. No, it won't. Best Picture. Yeah. I don't think so, but I definitely... Out of what I've seen, it's my pick for Best Picture. Excellent. It's a strong film. It definitely is. All right, so that leaves us with our, our shared number one film Which of the is year. a movie I haven't for seen. For the first time ever, we're in agreement on what the top on film On the last two year. movies. We were yeah, in the last two, yeah. This is the one movie that I'm surprised didn't make an Academy Award nomination or get an Academy Award nomination of all the movies that are out there. It's um, Denis Villeneuve's Sicario. Last year's uh, movie about the Mexican drug cartels and our involvement in the drug wars stars Josh Brolin as Matt Graver. Alejandro is played by Benicio Del Toro. And I think the breakout role for me in this movie was Emily Blunt's Kate Maser. Like I really liked her in Live, Die, Repeat. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. But this movie shows that she has acting chops that I wasn't, I wasn't aware of. So. Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I wasn't familiar with the work until Edge of Tomorrow, and then this movie. I like I said, I rarely have emotional attachments to characters. I'm guessing and you didn't see The Devil Wears Prada. It's probably not your kind of movie. I actually, I did see that movie. She was, she was, she, she was, almost stole the movie away from. She was the kind of character that I don't normally have an Meryl emotional Street. attachment to. She was so funny. I thought that, that was Anne Hathaway. No, Anne Hathaway is not the best part of that movie. Oh, but she's in that movie, right? She is in it. Oh, yeah, that's probably. And why she I plays the it. lead. Emily Blunt's a supporting character, but oh. she's the one who um, used to have uh, Anne Hathaway's role. She's been promoted. Ah. She's the one who's training Anne Hathaway, and she's a complete bitch, and she's very dryly sarcastic. Um, anyway, I I I think she's a great actress. Well, she's really good in Sicario. I wanted to see it. It's not that I didn't. Uh, It came out at a weird time when I couldn't see it for whatever reason. It was on my list. I very much want to see it. One of the things I think the director does a great job of is he brings up these horrible situations. He did this with prisoners. And I feel like you can watch his film and feel like your position on the issue is justified by his film. Uh, In this film, whether you're real conservative about how we should be attacking the war on drugs and even terrorism to some extent uh it works for you if you're very liberal i think you can find scenes in this movie that justify your position i really like how it appeals to both audiences yeah it's even-handed and it's not designed necessarily to manipulate the audience in one to one point of view um it really wants you to manage your own response mm-hmm. to these things and and it's funny to me we had a discussion about a film that we both watched recently, number three on my list, The Revenant. There was a key scene in the middle of the movie that uh, Mr. Bull and I saw in completely different ways. The same exact thing, looking at it from two different perspectives, gives you two different points of view. Uh, 
this movie swims in the same waters as uh, Orson Welles' A Touch of Evil, but it sometimes shows that a touch of evil is more than just a trace of bad intentions. Like the Alejandro character should is one of the best characters of the year, if not the best character in terms of that ambiguity that you mentioned, mm-hmm. that you referenced. And then uh, just the menace. He is... Cool. Like uh, No Country for Old Men, uh, Anton Chigurh. He's the an- the the next best Anton Chigurh-like character since Anton Chigurh that I can think of offhand. But he's a bit more realistic. Like, you feel like someone like him exists in the world. Oh, yeah. And we are hiring these type of people to help us with what we're trying to accomplish. You're almost happy that they exist in the world if you're from a certain viewpoint. He's the guy that Jack Nicholson talks about and a few good men on the wall or yeah. the American sniper. Yeah. You, you, you know, we do the job that you don't want to even know has to be done. This movie examines our, uh, it examines literal and figurative borders, uh, like the border between our own conscience and our own morality, and then also the Mexican border, and and what we're doing down there, it capitalizes on the tensions that exist in gray areas we find ourselves in, and the maze that we're responsible for as a country as we navigate through our international drug policy. I was afraid it's going to be moralizing and didactic, but it, it really it it doesn't. It proved to be it proves to be even handed and ambiguous, and I love ambiguity in films. Um, apparently, the last scene of the movie was reshot several times and i think it came about as a uh sort of a conversation of the main actors that were involved it was written in a completely different way and when you see the movie you see the way that it ends is perfect for the rest of the movie the tone of the movie so i think that mr two frames and i might do a special episode on this as our laugh podcast movie of the year yeah i i I think we agree we've got to nominate this for best picture uh at least for us, when I came out of it, my first uh, thought to you was, I think this is uh, the Nightcrawler film. Where oh, yeah. you know, everyone goes, great film, just outside of being nominated. That I, I was so worried. Nightcrawler and, was nominated for something. Not Best not, Picture. Not best picture. Oh, okay. Everyone said, you know, that that's the next one that would have gotten in. And I feel like Sicario is the same way. I think its subject matter scares off a lot of people. Well, it's a strong it, feel, too. Yeah, There's a strong it, feel. It's there. not an easy movie to watch. That border crossing scene, the amount of tension it's able to create, and even when it's done, you still feel worried because you know you have another hour to watch. And if oh, worried, this is yeah, just the, the mini climax to the film, we're going to be going to whole new worlds of places of tension and suspense and violence. Get your service weapon up. Gun. Gun. Gun left. What are the rules here? Stay in your vehicle. You can do what they do. If they get out, you get out. Move! Wait, wait, wait. Get out of the car. Got three nominations, one for uh, score, sound editing, and cinematography. And if this wins, it'll be Roger Deakins' first Oscar, Wow, which is surprising. Deacons is up for an award for this. So that's our number one movie of the year and the Laugh Podcast number one film of the year overall. Mr. Actor Man, you have to go see that thing. It, believe to... me, it's on my list. It's available I really at Redbox, wanted to. Yeah. Available at Redbox. A dollar and fifteen. Oh, Redbox. Cents. Yeah. All right. So to recap, our top ten, or actually we'll just go to the top five. We already talked about the top ten. My top five, number five was X Machina X Machina, Alex Garland sci-fi. Uh, film about AIs. Number four for me was Bone Tomahawk, Kurt Russell's Western movie uh, directed by Craig Zoller. This is a movie that uh, Mr. Actor Man doesn't believe I actually really like. (laughs) My third favorite movie this year was Alejandro Inarritos' The Revenant. Second best movie 
for me. Number two, Mad Max Fury Road. And the, my top film of the year was Sicario, Denis Villeneuve's movie about the drug trade and our war against it. Mr. Anchor, or Actor Man. I almost called you Anchor Man. <laughs> okay. Number five, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars, darn it. Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Number four, Star Steve Jobs. Wow, I can't talk anymore. Number three, Inside Out. Number two, Spotlight. And number one, The Big Short, which I was looking at my notes and I wanted to call it an audacious film because it is. Hmm. Uh, my number five is The Hateful Eight, followed by number four is Steve Jobs. Three is The Martian. Bringing it home and for the silver medal is Mad Max Fury Road. And I'm agreed with the L train and saying Sicario is the best film of 2015. Way to go. All right. Nice show, people. Uh, if you want to give us feedback on your top 10, you can reach us on multiple formats. One of them being YouTube, right? Yeah, they can uh, post a comment. Uh, where else can they see us there, Mr. Two Frames? Uh, if you want to contact us, you can always email us at theleftpodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet at theleftpodcast. And we're also available on facebook.com slash theleftpodcast. All right. Thanks for joining us again, uh, Mr. Actor Man. Always a pleasure. I look forward to coming back for the Oscar pod- podcast. Now, you're going to do, uh, you're in a, a stage production coming out? Yes, I uh, we just we start rehearsals this coming Sunday for the Cripple of Inishman, oh, uh, a play about a group of uh, people living in a very small town in Ireland. So I'll be doing an Irish dialect, Irish dialect this time. Want to work it out? Uh, the last time it was on Broadway a few years ago, the lead was played by Daniel Radcliffe. Are you the lead? I am not the lead. I am the town doctor. Uh, I am the voice of reason, which Ed found hysterically funny. <laughs> nice. Uh, when will you guys uh um it opens march 11th and runs weekends through april 3rd right up until spring break oh so it's going to be for saint patty's day yes we will and easter hey i may go see it on the one of my castmates was very upset that we have a performance on easter sunday Hmm. might have to go have a pint go see it on saint patty's day is saint patrick's day on the weekend i don't know yeah, maybe, maybe I know. Uh, if it opens excellent. the 11th, probably not. St. Patrick's Wait, Day is, is probably a on a Thursday or a t- Wednesday. It's a musical? No, it is not a musical. It's a play. It's a comedy. It's very funny. Excellent. I can't wait. I will be seeing the crippled man. Cripple of Inishman. Inishman is the name of the town where they live. Excellent. Uh, so, for the uh, actor man over there. Thank you. And for Mr. Two Frames. And it's been for, a pleasure. Oh, I have a quote. You do? Yes, in the, in the words of Immortan Joe. Ah, mediocre. <laughs> I'm the uh, L-Trade. Pox at Motive, everybody. There be dragons. about my joke just you told just destroyed my joke how is that part of the podcast you consider that a joke